ultimately, as a tool, mindfulness is to deal with what's happening with us at the spiritual level, at the non-physical level of spirit, of energy, of frequency. But beyond that, we still have a mind that's a gatekeeper to which of those experiences actually make their way into physical form. So it's not just about meditation, it's about taking the beauty and power of meditation and continuing the momentum into addressing our mental narratives, our beliefs and our stories and whether they support the thing which we've sought to bring into form. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Patrick Cook. Welcome to Being. After receiving a late diagnosis of Asperger's and experiencing what can only be described as life-shattering trauma at the age of just 20, Daniel Mangana spent the next seven years struggling to keep these revelations and events from spilling into every area of his life. As a result of his struggles, Daniel built a simple four-step system called the Beyond Intention Paradigm, through which Daniel found a path to lasting joy and purpose. Now he wants nothing more than to share these powerful tools that saved his life. Daniel Mangana, welcome to being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device as soon as they're published. And as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. Also, I'm proud to announce that the show is now available on YouTube. And you can follow us on our new Instagram page, at Being with Patrick Cook. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. Daniel Mangana, welcome to Being. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here for me to be here with so we can be <laughs> beings together. <laughs> <laughs> We're all being together as one. Here exactly. we are. Exactly. But really excited to uh, drop in with you today and have a, a flowing, creative co-creation of a conversation. Um, mm. But for those of us, myself included, who don't know a lot about your work, I would love to just begin with who is Daniel Mangana? Uh, like what of the what are the significant mm. events that have transpired in your life so far? Some milestones to bring you to this present mm. moment. Mate, we've only got an hour. I'm Daniel Mangetta, uh, also known by Dan. I live in Cabo in Mexico, but oh, I'm cool. from East London in the UK. Uh, my parents immigrated from the UK in the mid to late seventies from Zimbabwe in Southern Africa. Mm. Um, so I grew up in East London, uh, moved out to Mexico three years ago now. Um, my wife, Olga, is Russian descent, but American citizen. I've got a stepdaughter, Ariana, who's five and some change. I've got a son, Ethan, who's eight months old. Uh, wow. Down here. Ethan's, uh, what do they call him? A, a chualito or something like that, because he was born here in Mexico. <laughs> awesome <laughs> which is hilarious which is hilarious but yeah i'm really passionate about really bringing people to understand this simple idea and whether i'm writing for entrepreneur or other magazines or on podcasts of my own or with amazing people like, such as yourself whether i'm doing a tv interview whatever it is it's just bringing people to an understanding that abundance is our natural state and our birthright mm. and i really firmly believe that a lot of the ideas that are battling that we're battling with as humans a lot of the challenges that we're facing might not be there 
had we already reached the tipping point that I am doing my best to contribute to us getting to where more and more of us are holding that idea of love mm. over fear, of abundance being an actual state, of there being enough for all, and that we will have something to contribute. And that's what I'm really about. Mm, I love it. I would, uh, And I totally agree, but I would love to hear what you define abundance as. What is abundance? So <laughs> we've actually got a teacher that we, we, we share called the triangle to abundance. And what it looks like is that the, the stages that we go through in relationship to material expression, we have scarcity, stability, freedom, abundance, and then beyond abundance we, we go to. Scarcity is when I don't have the physical, mental, and emotional capacity to hold a particular thing, mm. whether that's financially, emotionally, uh, mentally, whatever it is. Stability is when I have the resources, but I'm still exchanging time and energy in order to make that happen. Mm. So I could have a healthy relationship, but a healthy relationship could require my ongoing engagement. I could have health in my body, but I still need to take medicine in order to do that or mm. whatever, the, whatever the thing is. I could have sufficient money to live the life that I want to live, but I still have to go to work or work in my business in order to achieve it. Mm. Freedom is when I have incoming resources to meet those needs without me needing to exchange with it. So freedom of health in my body, freedom of health in my mind, freedom of health in my finances. When I've got income to meet my day-to-day needs without me needing to work, abundance is when those things are in overflow. Mm. So I have an abundance of energy. I have an abundance of love to give to others. I have an abundance of money to be uh, a contribution to others. That for me is abundance. It's the overflow beyond my needs without me needing to exchange time and energy with others in order to have those needs met. Mm. That's a beautiful model. I love that scarcity, stability, freedom, abundance. And I totally resonate with you. And I think this idea of of scarcity um, is an old, old idea and an old paradigm idea. So just from a devil's advocate point of view, um, what is scarcity and is, is the idea of abundance for all possible? Like, you know, the old, the old scarcity idea says there's not enough for everybody. I better Mm -hmm. hoard it for myself just so I can keep me and my family Mm -hmm. safe. And I don't care Mm -hmm. about you. I'm just going to turn a blind eye if you die or whatever. But is there enough for everybody, I guess, is the question. I mean, if we look at financial, I I focus really on the financial because I I find it to be a tangible, a tangible measuring stick as to whether something works or not. Right. Someone comes to work with me and they want to improve their finances if I get to that level that we've set as a goal for ourselves, then it works. If I haven't got there, it hasn't worked. There's no, mm. are you are you happy now? Like we right. can't measure that, but we can measure we can measure that. There is more money now than there's ever been. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. 40, I think as of earlier this year, 40% of all the dollars in existence have been printed in the 12 months before. That's insane, isn't it? It's oh. just oh. I know. It's just oh. total oh. insanity. <laughs> <laughs> The European Central Bank is printing at a faster rate. The, the the Bank of England is trying to keep up with them, our little island of England. Yeah. There's more money than ever. Right. We haven't hit the deflation inflation madness yet. So still, there's there's more than ever. Mm. It didn't disappear. It didn't disappear into the ethers. It's there. Right. But it's people coming from this position of lack and scarcity and hoarding it. I right. need to keep it. I can't right. spend it. I mean, the idea of printing money is based on the idea that people actually accept abundance, but people come from lack. So mm. what happens is they print this money and give it to people. They give stimulus checks in the US. Okay. People are going to spend it and it's going to move the economy, mm. but so many people are coming from lack. They're hoarding their dollars. Inflation means that it's actually losing value anyway, but they're hoarding it. Mm. <laughs> and then it doesn't end up doing the thing it's supposed to do. Yeah. I think 
Scarcity is a virus. It's a mind virus yeah. that's diverting us away from the truth that there is actually more than enough of everything for everyone. But a few yeah. of us are holding it in these pockets and not allowing the natural flow of it to happen around. Yes, them. yes, absolutely. So I guess the question then becomes, is abundance for all possible within this current economic system because of the hoarding of the elites at the top? You know, and so I, I agree with you. Abundance for all is totally possible. There's more than enough resources. Mm-hmm. There's more than enough mm-hmm. um, everything on the earth. But it's because mm-hmm. of some uh, virus, like you called it, of scarcity or greed or uh, ego mm-hmm. that is keeping mm-hmm. uh, you know a n- small number of people hoarding resources mm-hmm. and wealth at the expense of everybody else. So for me, it's going to take a paradigm shift within the system to for abundance to be available for all. Would you agree with that? I do. But I mean, even when we look at this, just introduce an idea around this thing of the rich hoarding. Well, I mean, I've, I've seen these things that, oh, if Jeff Bezos gave everyone $1,000, he'd still have X amount of billions. Yeah. But Jeff Bezos isn't actually sitting on billions of dollars in the bank. It's right. mostly in shares, which are propping up the stock market, right. which is propping up the 401k of middle class, which is totally. creating space for employment for the working class. So like, right. It all kind of works together. If he did sell off enough to go and say, solve the world problems, in selling it off, the share price would tank, 401ks would tank, it bring down the rest of the stock market, right. businesses would close because of consumer confidence, then there's no working class, there's no middle class, and there's nobody that's actually creating value at that level either. Right. There's a delicate intricacy to the system. For sure. I don't think it has to be ripped up and unended. And actually, I wouldn't even look at the elites to change. I look at us as the people who are actually number more to just do things differently. Mm. There are more of us here on the in the the rank and file to produce that ticking point than there are in the one percent. Mm. What's the one percent? Eighty million people? Was it seventy million people? What is? What, what yeah, that sounds now? right. Seven <laughs> billion, something something like that. Yeah, that leaves more than seven billion other people to stand up and make a make a stance for abundance. Right, 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 right. Number them. 99 to one. So, so from that perspective, what are some simple steps that people could take right now? Appreciating the abundance that we do have already. Mm. Again, I believe it's a mind virus. It's Mm. a mind virus. And so it's going to be battled in the mind and it's not going to be battled by being battled because battling actually just gives life to the thing that we don't want. Totally. Right. I hate the rich. I hate this. I hate that. I hate them. Blah, blah, blah. Well, then you've got a resistant energy to money. Money can't yes. come to you in that space. Yes. So yes. you can't be a part of the solution. You're actually, you're fighting it and spitting on it and crapping on it isn't creating any space for a solution and isn't adding the solution and actually pulls you out of being in a conducive space to actually be a part of any solution because you're over here with no money to do anything. Mm. And as much as we want to talk about the new world order and the new earth and the new age, the fact of the matter is, is that this dualistic economy-based system that we're looking at has been going for at least a good 10,000 years. Mm. A good 10,000 years it's been running from. Yeah. We're going to ancient Sumer, uh, ancient Babylon, uh, where my people are from in, in, in Zimbabwe, the great Zimbabwe. Thousands of years ago, there was still commerce. Mm-hmm. So economic systems have been going for that long. Yep. There's no recorded history where there was no form of some kind of commerce, even our cave hunting ancestors were exchanging Mm. for what they were short of with others or at least Mm. trying to see it right Mm. because there was a movement of resources so let's instead of fighting what is 
find a way to come into harmony with it so that we can inject some love and abundance into it. It can operate more effectively. Mm, yeah, no, I totally agree. And so for me, it, it came from the agricultural revolution for the first time in the history of human evolution, there was a surplus and with a yeah. surplus comes privatization and trade and the beginning of commerce. Mm -hmm. Right. But mm -hmm. having said that, it all also comes with the beginning of corruption and, you yeah. know, profit at all costs and externalizing harm. Mm -hmm. So for me, there is a fundamental flaw in the system. But again, mm -hmm. what you're talking about is I, I believe it's a mind virus. It's it's the ego, basically, that where mm -hmm. it when there is a surplus and I have more, I can do harm to you without caring about you because there's some perception of separation, which is born mm -hmm. of my ego. And the same similarly with with nature. If I'm disconnected with nature and uh, mm -hmm. not remembering my oneness with it, then I can do it harm mm -hmm. at the at the you know for profit. So there there's mm -hmm. both, you know, interacting with the system, but also doing the internal work. Uh, to create 100%. abundance within. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I read your mission statement and it landed so <laughs> deeply with me and it's actually eerily <laughs> similar to mine. So I'd just like to read it right now and <laughs> maybe we can unpack it a little bit. It says so to sweet. spearhead an evolutionary uplift in universal consciousness by awakening people to the importance of their unique role by way of a deep and often ignored or undervalued passion defined as their dream. Woo, mm -hmm. So much power in that. <laughs> it resonates deeply. Um, but I'd love to unpack it a little bit. Like what, what dream so, are you referring to? So for me, the word purpose has become this buzzword that I think is doing more harm than good. Mm. I'll be, I'll right. Be this is going to be my, my next question. So let's go into it. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my keynotes when I speak is the pointlessness of purpose. And people right. say, what do you mean? Purpose is the buzzword. Jay right. Shetty said I should be on purpose. Right. That's great. But then look, <laughs> Simon Sinek said, you know, start with why. And they had to go and write another book, find your why. Because so many people were stuck in this stagnant place looking for this one thing that they're here to do. that they stop doing anything at all? Mm. Yeah. Looking for the one thing. In a universe that's been demonstrated scientifically to be built on the idea of infinite possibility, we're looking for this one singular thing mm. without which nothing is has any meaning. Okay. So this this comes down to your definition of purpose, because I read uh, that was going to be actually my next question, the pointlessness, <laughs> pointlessness of purpose, <laughs> because I, I, I do speak a lot about purpose in my uh, work and in my life and my content. Um, but mm -hmm. what you said, searching for one specific purpose, I agree, is a fool's errand. It, it will keep you mm -hmm. in paralysis. It will keep you stuck. But my 100%. definition of purpose isn't one thing. It's different. So basically Amazing. what I do is I work with people to remove any blockages, any trauma, any uh, limiting beliefs, any emotional wounds, any thoughts, any beliefs that are covering up their deepest essence, right? Your truest self, mm. your highest self at the deepest level, right? And when you connect with that and you operate from that space and you move into the world, that will be the manifestation of your purpose. And it doesn't have to be one thing. In fact, in my own life, it's, it's manifest as a number of different things, right? But mm -hmm. it, when you're coming from that deepest essence and your unique gifts that only you have to offer the world, that is your purpose. Mm -hmm. How it manifests can look like many different ways, right? And it can change from time to time. And too. it can change. It's a beautiful thing. If it's something that's so imperative that the divine has encoded it in us to be expressed, mm. why do we think that we in our limited humanness have to uncover it? Mm. so much as uncover the things. Was it Rimby that says 
your work is not to find love, but to find the things that block you to it, or whatever yeah. it is that Rumi says. That exactly. exactly. I love what you're saying. You weren't like, yeah. I'm going to help you find your purpose. Right. I'm going to help you get out of your own bloody way so that your purpose can do what it's here to do, which is to express itself. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. And, and, and as, as I love to be contrarian in my way of expressing things, I deliberately found a new word and added more context to that in terms of using the word dream mm, to okay. add more essence in the way that I approach it. Right. Just to give people the opportunity to reflect, even as having this conversation about purpose and giving your listeners the opportunity to explore. Was I looking for that one thing? Was mm. I trying to dig in and find it and maybe walking right past it in doing so? Right. Have I done the work of healing the space between me and that thing so that it can express itself? That's mm. impossible because I use the word dream and not the word purpose. Have I used right. the word purpose before we'll be having this conversation? Right. Well, and I can tell you what, what I felt or what I um, felt into when I heard that word dream was the American dream, which is an illusion mm -hmm. in my perspective as well. That's why I wanted to ask you, what's your definition of dream? Because mm -hmm. the American dream, you're chasing the societal norms. You go to school, you get good mm -hmm. grades, you get the house, the car, the kids, blah, blah, blah. You white save for retirement, the, the white pick, yeah. picket fence <laughs> illusion, right? It's, it's the carrot and the stick just leading you down a path basically. Mm -hmm. So you'll, you know, fall within the system and you'll pay your taxes and you'll go to work and do all those things. Right. With the, mm -hmm. with the promise of fulfillment and happiness later on. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's like, okay, well that doesn't resonate with me. And so that's why I wanted to ask you what, what is your definition of dream? And I think we got there. Is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, the dream, the whole dream concept has got so many different levels. My, my company's dream HQ. I'm dream a CEO on social media. My website right. dream with Dan, so on and so forth. There's so many different levels to it. I remember when I started studying dream yoga and going more deeply into the idea of lucidity and cross-referencing lucid dreaming as an idea with what we're seeing about the nature of reality through mysticism and also through branches of science such as the quantum, quantum mm. physics. There are so many crossovers and similarities. And yeah. if we start to blur those lines, we'll actually see that life is a waking dream poetically, but also in essence, the similarities that cross over are so much the same too. Totally. When we start to look at ourselves as mediums of the expression of consciousness and, mm. and all that kind of good stuff too, it's like, well, it is all just one big dream, but when I'm doing it with my eyes open, I'm consciously aware to what I'm dreaming and what I'm living and what I'm experiencing. Mm. And that's that, that's that sexy angle to it too. Yeah. Beautiful. And you also said in the mission statement, universal consciousness. So what you're yes. describing now is an individual experience of consciousness as a dream state, but what do you mean by universal consciousness? Well, if we look at um, singularity, so everything's 99.999% energy. Mm. Energy is singular in its expression, but then when the energy gets more dense and takes on the form of atoms and quarks and zeals and all the things, then it takes on the physical form. But in truth, it's singular and it does have a level of consciousness to it. We are all of that consciousness, much like a, a drop of water in the ocean is still the ocean and the water at the same time. Mm, I love but that. The ocean is in the drop. The drop is in the ocean too, but they're, they're one and the same, but an expression of. I love to look at water. Water, when expressed, as ice is still the same combination of H2O mm. as steam. It's still H2O as liquid. It's still H2O, but it's H2O expressed in different forms. Mm, so beautiful. universal consciousness is the H2O that sits behind those of us that are ice cubes, those of us that are bottom water, mm. those of us that are raindrops and those of us that are steam. It's still H2O underneath. Does that make sense? Mm, it totally makes sense. And it's a beautiful articulation. I haven't heard that before. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. I might steal that from you. I'm just going to let you know now. <laughs> Go for it. I'm sure I got it from somewhere. <laughs>
<laughs> awesome. There's another um, signature talk of yours that I wanted to ask you about, which is called Stop Meditating, How Mindfulness <laughs> is Sabotaging Your Success. And for, for somebody in the sort of mindfulness you know, game, I'm like, oh my God, these are awesome. I have to ask them about this. So, so what, is, <laughs> what does that one mean? You know, it's really funny. My most recent TV slot that I had, it was a syndicated NBC station up in Milwaukee. I did it Monday of this week. Mm. And the reason why the hosts had me on is because they really wanted to, they wanted to like kind of put me in my place about this stop <laughs> meditating stuff. What's really funny is when, when I shared on my social media, um, the link to it and the way that they titled it was meditation, a first class ticket to nowhere. And people <laughs> were in uproar. Oh my God, meditation is the first step to myself. You don't tell me this. And how can you say that? Listen to the interview. Right. Listen to the interview. Listen, listen, listen. Was the title um, pur- purposely that provocative or to incite I that response? That pro- they made it more provocative. Right. It was when I put it out. Right. Okay. <laughs> it got, it got, and, uh, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on a CBS station in a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to title it too. Right. But a lot of people get, they want to come and, you know, give me a slap around the ears if I'm saying meditation, this, meditation, that. <laughs> by the end of it they get what i'm saying because i don't say don't meditate in order for something to be stopped it has to be in motion okay there's the nuance right in order for something to stop it it has to be in motion and if we're stopping the vehicle of meditation it's because we're getting out and continuing our journey where the car cannot go anymore Mm. Okay, like so I can I, take I could take a spaceship from here to the moon, but I can't fly around the moon. I need to get out and get in the space buggy. Right. At some point, I may need to get out and walk, and it's the same with meditation. We are not one-dimensional in our expression. From ancient times, I've spoken about spirit, mind, and body. Right. Physical, mental, and spiritual. Um, all the different combinations of the same mind, body, soul, mind, body, spirit, whatever it is. Yeah. We are multi-dimensional, and those expressions of ourselves at those different levels have ways and means with which we can communicate with that level of ourself and that level of whole that ex- exists on that level. Mm. I can move through time and space, but my moving through time and space doesn't communicate anything in terms of my emotion and spirit, unless it's mm. a direct relationship to it. Right. Meditation at its pristine purity. Yes. We're going to talk about the effect that it has on the neural pathways and on the brain and all the things, blah, 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 blah. but ultimately as a tool, mindfulness is to deal with what's happening with us at the spiritual level, at the non-physical level of spirit, of energy, of frequency. Mm. But beyond that, we still have a mind that's a gatekeeper to which of those experiences actually make their way into physical form. Mm. Don't believe me? Go and research the reticular activating system. If you don't believe something's possible, it's not going to show up for you. You're not going to see it. The opportunity is mm. not going to be witnessed by you. Mm. So it's not just about meditation. It's about taking the beauty and power of meditation and continuing the momentum into addressing our mental narratives, our beliefs, and our stories, and whether they support the thing which we've sought to bring into form through our mind movement, through our vision board, through our meditation, through our prayer, our trip to the temple, the mosque, or the church. Mm. And then to sharp in physical reality, ready to receive mm. that which we've set in motion, and ready to hold an environment that continues to be conducive to continuing to receive that. Else, oh, I had it once, and I go back, lottery winners, 90% of them go back to exactly where they were within five years mm. because they don't have the capacity to hold that which showed up. Yes. I tell people to stop meditating. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, I would like to sort of reflect it back to you, maybe in different words, how I understand what you're, what you're talking about. Sure. Um, the mind is inherently 
limited. Like it, it's processing so much information from reality. It has to block off yeah. nine over 95% of it in order for us to just yeah. function and make sense of the world. Right. Exactly. So in, inherently, inherently the mind is reductive. And so if you are looking at the world through your conditioned mind and its limitations and your beliefs, then obviously that's going to put a barrier to what you can achieve and what you will allow into your, into your mm. experience. So again, what I was talking about earlier about how I help people move past their mind and meditation is one of the tools that I use, but it's, it's to move past out of the mind and more into the body, more into the heart, more into the soul. And if you're operating from there, then it opens up all of the possibilities because it's not going through the reductive valve of your mind. Right. Mm, and so exactly. you, you can be open to new frequencies, new possibilities, new energy, anything from that space. And of course, your mind will continue to be an incredibly valuable tool, but it's not operating mm. as the primary input source. Right. Does that make sense? Exactly. Right. It does. And, and there's one thing I just want to sort of loop universal law into this. When we look at the law of polarity, which invites us to explore the fact that nothing in reality isn't, is in a half, it's always whole. Mm. The second that we have anything physically embodied, like a desire, that means that three-dimensional reality are already expressing the opportunity for us to have the embodiment of that mm. intention. But when my mind is blocked, I won't see it. So yeah. many people have been praying for something and don't realize it's in their world right now. Right. But because they haven't opened up to the fact that beyond that spiritual mindfulness practice, there is a call to open up their mind to receive it. This in their own way, they're not able mm. to actually connect with something that doesn't even need to be manifested anymore because it's already here. Mm, yes, I'm really calling people to connect with. Yes, not not waiting for the physical evidence to show up, aligning with the frequency of it, and then receiving it into your life. Right. Yes. Yeah. The physical manifestations are reflecting of what's going on inside of us anyway. Exactly. If we go down the path of what we're seeing, the quantum physics has shown us about the observer effect and how energy collapses yep. back into form. Yeah. But that instruction of the collapsing into form gets distorted by our limited belief that it's not possible. I'm not worthy of it. I need to mm. do this. I need to do that. I can have it when I can have an if. But I'm praying for it, but I can have it if, but I'm praying for it, but I can have it if, but then I'm not doing anything to move through time and space mm. to connect with that if that I've actually preset as a prerequisite for actually experiencing it. Mm. So there's some balance here between intention and action. And that's what I'm hearing you say. Intention, action, and surrender. And surrender. Ooh, yes, those mm. three things together. So powerful. We are in extraordinary times and facing unprecedented challenges. Never in history have we been so connected yet so divided at the same time. Now more than ever, there's a fundamental need and desire for us to come together in community and collaboration, to experience real and authentic connection with our fellow human beings, to be part of a tribe of people who are doing the challenging work of making sense of the world and their place in it, to have a safe place to be vulnerable and get the support we so desperately seek as we navigate the complexity of modern life. This is why I've created the Chrysalis, an exclusive online community for people who are doing the deep work of personal development, of awakening, of healing, of peeling back the layers of conditioning and unconscious programming and unleashing their full creative expression through the discovery of their life's purpose. This is for the people who have the courage to say yes to life and to becoming the best version of themselves for their own benefit and for the benefit of all. This private membership group will be hosted away from the prying eyes and ears of the big tech platforms and will feature live group coaching calls, exclusive content and trainings, plus guest speakers, workshops, and more. At its essence, the Chrysalis is about coming together in a thriving community 
with the shared intention of co-creating the future that we all want to live in. If this resonates with you, go to enterthechrysalis.com for more information and to reserve your spot. Chrysalis is spelled C-H-R-Y-S-A-L-I-S. So that's enterthechrysalis.com. Now, back to the show. Amazing. I'd love to apply this. And one of the next questions I wanted to ask you about is the money game, one of your books, which I haven't had the pleasure of reading yet, but it sounds ex- incredibly exciting. Um, but people's relationship with money, I think, and myself included on my journey has necessitated me looking at those beliefs and the scarcity and the virus of the mind that creates this wall of lack that uh, prevents us mm-hmm. from receiving. So if somebody might be struggling with money right now or abundance in general, what are some practical mm-hmm. things they can do right now to start moving out of their mind and more into alignment with it? You can definitely play the money game. But one of the things the money game does, so there's a, there's a principle that we teach about called micro shifting. Okay. And what micro shifting does is it invites us to not hit the brick wall of resistance that comes when something is so far outside of our realm of belief. Mm. So we ask ourselves, what is just outside of a realm of belief so we can see it and it's close enough for us to touch it, but we're still stretching because it's outside of where we are. Right. So when people play the money game or we've got a challenge that we've got um, online that people can have fun with us doing a challenge. And the funny thing is, is that the challenge, the goal is only to manifest 10 bucks. And yet we've got a record of $75,000 manifested in two days before that was 55,000 before that 33, 27,000 pounds. Uh, an average somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 every time that people play this game, even though it's gone out to manifest just 10 bucks. Reason being is that when we remove the resistance of the big goal, we're actually open up to actually stretch a little bit more. Yes. When we're not saying, was it just run as fast as you can, not run the thousand miles, just run as far as you can. And we will run as far as we can because the mind's going to go to whatever our limitation is Right. right now. Right. And so the money game actually incrementally takes you through three separate phases, 15 steps, there's five steps in each phase to push, stretch, and expand what you believe is possible for you to come into your reality without you lifting a finger specifically. Mm. You can then apply it to stuff like, I use it in my business to create uh, clients and to create opportunities where I'm actually moving, but I also still play on a consistent basis to manifest things spontaneously coming into my life. Mm. Yes, I love that. Well, I'm totally going to do it. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's good fun. It's really good fun. And if people, there's like a link which we can give you for people to come and get the book, the ebook of it for a dollar instead of going on Amazon and paying 20 bucks for the book, they can get it for a dollar. Awesome. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, money and that societal sort of white picket fence, um, carrot and stick game has sort of been the, the thing that people are motivated by. And it's become synonymous with success. If you have financial success, that means you're successful. So I wanted to ask you about what what is your definition of success and has it changed over time? So my definition of success isn't just getting what you want, but having a conscious relationship to what you've gone after in the first place. Mm. Mm. So it's an intentional desire that I've gone out for and I've actually met. Mm. by manifesting it into my reality manifesting it into form because mm. so many people are qualifying themselves as being successful but they're chasing after things that other people places and things have told them that they should get exactly and wonder why they feel empty at the end of the day yeah. <laughs> but i've got the white picket fence and i've got a dog called poodle and i've got 2.4 children that one's not finished growing yet and my wife is this and blah 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 and i'm at the cricket club and all the things but you're empty yeah 
because it wasn't what you want is what society told you that you should want That's exactly midlife crisis people going to drink and drugs and going and have an affair with a 24 year old that works in the office or whatever the thing is yeah because this part the heart hasn't expressed itself because the song that it's been singing is not being heard right instead what we've heard from instagram and facebook and saturday night live or whatever has given us this thing of what we're supposed to chase after mm. and that's the dream that we end up expressing when we call ourselves successful mm. it's not even what we want we're not happy with it at the end of the day right so to me though we're conditioned with those values they're basically our values we're conditioned to to value success and money and material things by the media mm -hmm. by our peers even our parents who are doing it unconsciously mm -hmm. so it's no wonder that many of us fall into that trap so mm -hmm. you know what are some of the tools to connect more deeply with your heart and to to move into that space of abundance um now in your life mm -hmm. well first and foremost we have to wake up and actually yeah. claim responsibility right if we're still blaming other people places and things for the fact that oh this is the way it is it's because of what the government said or what i had right. in school or because of the tv and all the things unless we claim that agency back how can we ex exercise it right i can't exercise an agency that i put in the hands of others through blame right there's a disconnect there yeah so that responsibility that i'm stepping into is also going to have other things that i have to be responsible for too it means I can't blame people for the way I am emotionally. I can't mm -hmm. blame people, but I have to take agency on board full stop. Otherwise, there's always going to be space for other people, places, and things to have a say in what I'm manifesting mm. in my life. Totally. And most people aren't ready to do that. Yeah. What do you mean I can't blame my mum? What do you mean I, I can't blame the government? I voted for that person, the other person got in, I didn't vote for this person or the other thing, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Are we ready to do that? Because if you're not ready to do that, then there's always going to be a back door for stuff to come in. So we need to be ready to step up and do that. Yes, I totally agree. Taking responsibility as at the center of my message as well. And it's, it's like you said, it's something that uh, is challenging if you're not used to taking responsibility, you're used to assigning blame elsewhere. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a fundamental shift, but and it can be uncomfortable. It comes with so much power and mm -hmm. agency like you said and sovereignty and when you start to feel mm -hmm. that in your body and you feel that power that's when you set a foundation for which you can now begin to move through the world and attract the abundance that is your birthright as you said at the beginning okay. it's beautiful um i want to come back to the idea of universal consciousness because that's something I'm, I'm very interested in now more than ever because like i said for me the fundamental problem that has been uh like many of the problems we're seeing is the result of uh, us crawling into it like a shell of an ego, right? And so mm -hmm. once once we crawl into that shell, we cut ourselves off from our heart, from each other, mm -hmm. and from nature. And so we're able to do the horrendous things we've done as a species. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the and adding to that the collective traumas that we've experienced, be it racism or war or slavery or genocide or rape or all of those mm -hmm. things that are, you know, in our sort of um, collective field that need to be healed mm -hmm. on a collective level because they're they're operating at, um, in the unconscious of a and uh, of society basically and allowing for this conditioning to continue um so for me it's it starts at the individual level as like you said taking responsibility doing the work of um you know removing or healing trauma or limiting beliefs but then as we do we need to start coming together with others and start communicating in an authentic way um and begin to uh act with trust and love and compassion and use our 
our capacity in collaboration, in co-creation to create a new paradigm that obsoletes the old one. That's kind of the model mm -hmm. that I'm working towards. Okay. And so, so this, this idea of universal consciousness is a decentralized network of individual nodes of consciousness, which we are as human beings operating in collaboration, much like the internet or the blockchain does right now on digital mm -hmm. space, right? It's kind of the, mm -hmm. the organic blockchain, this bottom up decentralized mm -hmm. network of healed humans working in collaboration, not in competition, right? For me, that's the mm -hmm. sort of the, the basis. So would you agree with that? I just wanted to put that out and get your reflection. Yeah. I mean, I would like to go back to nature. Mm. I don't think you've said anything that doesn't appear naturally in nature. Mm. Is there competition in nature? I don't think there's competition in nature. Things grow in nature and grow at different paces. Mm. But they don't hold grudges or say, well, you grew faster than me, so I'm going to go and rape all of your grains <laughs> of sand. Like, <laughs> it's like your grains have got more water than we're going to come and shed your sand blood. That's not yeah. what happens in nature. It kind of just it kind of just does its own thing. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the, the gazelle who's child gets eaten by a lion doesn't hold trauma against lions it shakes mm. it off because it recognizes that's the natural way things so there are some things that will still probably be expressed but they'll be expressed from a different level of consciousness yes exactly will there still be some kind of competition yes but not this bloodthirsty kill or be killed dog eat dog competition it's going to be some things grow at a different pace some things move at a different rate than others because that happens in nature but our limited egoic hate mm. fear driven things won't be there, won't mm. be there. yeah you no know, i totally agree be there so yeah, yeah that, 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 stand on that beautiful and i think i think there's a a nuance here between competition in an unhealthy way and a he healthy way right now it's an unhealthy way where your mm -hmm. failure is my gain so seeing mm -hmm. you suffer is makes me happy right and that's mm -hmm. that's the unhealthy competition the healthy mm -hmm. the healthy competition is when you are successful. It Im improves my life. So I'm our, our all lives, all lives. Exactly. So our incentives, <laughs> our incentives are aligned. So there's a healthy competition. Mm -hmm. I'm inviting you to be better. I'm inviting you mm -hmm. to grow and to be in more radical expression of your unique gifts because it improves mm -hmm. your life and the life of everybody for all of life. Yeah. Right. So competition all of us striving for that win, all of us yeah. striving for that growth is what's pushing everything forward. But again, as humans, I need to do corporate espionage. I need to sabotage a competition. Exactly. I'm going to taunt them and beat them up because I don't believe in my ability to win naturally. So I need to right. cheat and go and do this and go and do that versus my intention is to be at the vanguard of all of humanity going forward because I'm inspiring and pushing everyone else to go forward. Mm. That I think is a big part of that nuance also. Mm. I love it. This is beautiful. And Daniel of Mangjana. Uh, this has been amazing. Uh, I've only got a couple more questions for you. I know you're a busy man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to ask you, so what is something unexpected you've learned about either yourself or humanity in this, this life that you've lived so far? One of the biggest things that really helped and supported me was an idea I let go of. I remember there was a meme that I saw once where there's this guy looking up at the heavens and he goes, Lord, save me from my haters. And then there's like the whole thing of God with the finger saying, dude, nobody's thinking about you. I don't think <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and um, I remember like even, you know, making my battle back from the shadows of suicidal ideation and looking back on it, not because of anything other than I was full of shame based on my 
obsession over what I thought other people were projecting at me based on what they thought about a person that they may not even know all that well. Mm, wow. It's amazing how convoluted the stories we can create in our mind, right? <laughs> and it's like one of the things I found mo- most is that are there trolls? Yeah, I'm on. I'm in the public eye. There are trolls, right? Of course, yeah. There are people that, oh, look at what you did. You did that and blah, blah, blah. Really? Yeah. You don't even know me, bro. Yeah. But guess what? People that have got time to talk about you and your story and to put you down when you're trying to put good out in the world, probably doing it because they're from a place of pain that stops them looking at their own life. Of course, definitely. They deserve your love and your compassion. I agree. Not you giving them sufficient power to actually stop you moving forward. And that's one of the biggest lessons I found in my life. Mm, Yes, that is so powerful. Yeah, it hurt people, hurt other people. So if somebody's projecting, there's probably some healing inside of them they're probably unaware of that that needs mm-hmm. their attention. So yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful, um, beautiful expression. Okay, Daniel, I've just got one more question for you, and it's a doozy. <laughs> if we were, if you were to take all of your experiences, all the knowledge and wisdom gained, and distill it down into one message or one sentence, mm-hmm. what would it be? Mm-hmm. Ooh, everything I've learned into one sentence. Ooh. <laughs> None of us are getting out of this to life, so don't take it all so seriously. <laughs> Beautiful. I love the playfulness of it. Some people go real deep. Some people just keep it simple. When I ask them that question, I love your answer. Uh, Daniel, this has been amazing. Is there anything that we haven't covered that uh, you'd like to discuss? Just guys, just take it one day at a time. Take something from this. Patrick and I have gone into a lot of different areas and given different opportunities to dive deep into different things. But just pick one thing that you actually apply and integrate. Don't let this be a wasted time in a beautiful conversation. Yes. Let there be some integrated, some inter- implementation of just one thing that you can carry into your life. That's a great piece of advice. And I, I'm going to uh, heed it myself. I'm going to go do the money game because that sounds really exciting. I'm going to go try it out. <laughs> it's good fun. It's good awesome. Fun. I will definitely put and that in the show notes. I will definitely. Daniel Mangana, <laughs> thank you so much for your time, brother. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all the work you're doing appreciate in the world. Yeah, keep it up. All right, man. Peace. Have a great day. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. And if you're ready to make massive changes in your life and looking for the support and accountability to make it happen, I'm currently accepting applications for my private one-to-one coaching. You can send an email to patrick at patrickcookcoaching.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, life is now. Live your being.